Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Struck him out, and the ball game is over. For the first time since 2016, the 2022 New York Mets will be going to the postseason. The 10th postseason berth in franchise history. And along the way, Max Scherzer picks up his 200th victory with six perfect innings as the Mets win their 94th game in 2022. And they have clinched at least a wild card. Uh, this is this is what you play the game for. You play the game in the postseason. Uh, the fact that we got here, there's a lot of ways for it not to work out. Uh, the fi- for us to be able to find a way to get our way into the postseason, that's awesome. That's what we celebrate. That's what you play the game for. Uh, but like you said, we have a lot of things in front of us, and we understand that. But, man, you got to celebrate the good times. Too. Steve, when you look at this team, what makes you most proud to this point? Listen, this team's been tenacious. Um, they never gave up the whole year. Um, I mean, this is a special group of guys. You know, they they, they love each other. They they play. Um, you know, they're they're a team that enjoys playing together, and you can see it. And and um, um, they've been consistent all year, and uh, the results speak for themselves. So I, I I'm so excited for them and for the fans too. I came here to try to be in the postseason and try to win championships, and this is the first step. Last year we were out of it, right here, and we saw them celebrate and to come back today and to clinch a spot. We understand this is not the end goal, but it's part of our destiny. And to to be in the postseason, you gotta you gotta make it. Um, so I'm I'm just blessed. Uh, I th- I thank the good Lord and my team. I'm extremely proud of my teammates and the front office. <laughs> It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Friday, September the 23rd, 2022. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media and you can show it up on podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G. Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. And I want to welcome in the good folks from the fan-sided podcasting network as well as RisingApple.com. Well, this is the time of the year where you say there's a little chill on the pumpkin with Halloween just a month away. And postseason baseball is usually the focus. And both of those things are in full force as you finally getting some of that 
crisp, really nice early fall weather. First day of fall. Isn't that today? First day. We're officially in fall, right? Is it official? Is it tonight? I don't know. I mean, it's sometime today, I think. And obviously, there will be postseason baseball, not because of the calendar and the baseball calendar saying there will be. There will be because the first goal of the 2022 Mets, the first accomplishment, not goal, because we've we're not in a getting to know you phase, right? Um, it is the Mets making the playoffs, officially clinching a postseason berth, and let's face it, worst case scenario, like we had talked about on Sunday. They will have a three-game home field advantage wild card playing opportunity in just a couple of weeks. So there you go. And you heard coming in, you heard Steve Cohen, you heard Max Scherzer, you heard the call from Gary Cohen. The Mets are back in the postseason for the first time since 2016. Now, I am coming to you here on a Friday before the Mets get into Oakland, which guarantees to be one of those. And I looked, I looked at that one on the calendar for a while I'm like, boy, that's a sleepy September series. Good team going into a road ballpark. Nobody there. Now, to credit the Mets fan, similar to what they did in Miami most of this year, they went out to Milwaukee and took over the uh, uh, the Milwaukee home field. I don't know any ballpark's name anymore. I have to tell you. I have to get like a little one of those like quarterback cards. I know City Field, I know Yankee Stadium, Fenway Park, Wrigley Field, everybody else. I don't, you know, what is it, Family American Ballpark, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Anyway, uh, the Mets fan did a good job going out to Milwaukee. I'm not sure they're going to make the trek 3,000-plus miles to Oakland, but maybe they do, so maybe it'll be City Field West. But that's one of those series where you look at and you say, geez, that's going to be the real enemy there is the environment. And the sleepiness, it's almost like it's like a, a Sandman, the character Sandman. They're going to put you to sleep there in the first inning, and then you wake up, it's the eighth inning, and you're down to a bad team. But anyway, let's not get into all of that. Coming to you on a Friday, obviously the Mets playing some late 4 o'clock games. And with the schedule and the action being dictated, not so much by the Sunday uh, show calendar, but by what's going on, what a better day to come to you after the off day. And you know... We're not playing here. We're not me as covering the team. Obviously, I'm not even doing what the beat writers do, which is they're traveling. They're doing the grind. Uh, but you as a fan watching the game and and not playing, I know that you're saying, well, it's ridiculous. Do we really need off days as fans and members of the media? And the answer is, yeah, at this time of the year, you want it because you've been so consumed. It's at, you're at that point where, honestly, and I and I hate to say this, you're kind of bored of the regular season. And I know, I know what you're saying. Well, how can you be bored? You got this division race going down to the wire. It's not the same as, and this division race is shaping up, even with the math, looking at two teams that could possibly, a team winning 102 games and not making, not, not winning the division, but obviously making the postseason. Shaping up like this, if you go back into Braves history, like the 1993 National League West race between the Braves and the, and the Giants. It's crazy when you think about it. And uh, sure enough, the Giants stubbed their toe against the bad Dodgers team that year. So maybe there's some similarities where you could learn a little bit from that. But I'm kind of bored of the regular season. I'm ready for the postseason. I'm ready for the chips to the center of the table, the tournament. I'm ready to say, hey, you know, you played this long six-month season, and all you're guaranteed is a couple of days. Think about it. You could go through this whole thing, win a division, grind it out against this very, very difficult opponent in the Atlanta Braves, and all you're guaranteed is three extra games. 
It was an argument that I made to Yankees fans for so many years saying, hey, you could talk all you want about the Mets and, and how bad they are and, and, and all this and that, but you got an extra week. Now, that extra week means a lot, and it adds a lot of excitement and fun, and you don't want it just to be an extra week, but that's really where it goes. So, But before we get to really what the point of the show is, Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big-time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one. Triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., start to think about the postseason give you a little Mets math there's a little bit of Mets math people are starting to really dive deep into the Mets Mets math and I remember saying the math when I talked to Casey Stern on Sunday didn't really go in the Mets favor well that's because Mets going into Milwaukee team fighting for a postseason spot Braves going into the uh, Washington ballpark literally the Nationals have played the Washington Generals in this season and anybody who doesn't know who the Washington Generals are go look it up as Warner Wolf used to say go to the videotape they're playing the Washington Generals Versus the Harlem Globetrotters here. And seeing all that, I'm like, geez, that's a bad scenario. Mets didn't really play great on the homestand. Even in beating the Pirates, they didn't play great that whole series, really. Especially offensively. So you look at that and you're like, wow, this is going to be tough for the Mets. But the Mets go out. They win a couple of big games against the Brewers. They take two out of three. The Braves lose a game to the Nats. Uh, I, I think it comes down to when the Braves play these bad teams, can those bad teams get a game? Really, that's what it comes down to. Can they get a game? Can the Nats get a game next week? Can the Marlins get a game in a couple of weeks? And then they're playing the Phillies. They lost last night. Mets are a game up now in the loss column. Can the Phillies get another game? 
And, you know, at the end of the day, the Mets are going to need to do their business against the teams not named Atlanta over the final two weeks. So we'll get to that in a minute. But the first thing I wanted to do is really reflect on the season because I think it's important. And it always concerns me about how we look at things in the modern media era. We're so conditioned to be told there's a right and a wrong way to do everything. Everything is analytics, not baseball analytics, but analytics and formulas have taken over our life in such a bad way. You could only celebrate this way. You have to be happy about this. You can't be happy about that. And a lot of times, and Casey actually mentioned it, and somebody tweeted at me about it, and I can't. I can't remember if it was a tweet or what someone said, but they were like, hey, it's okay to be happy as a Mets fan. It's okay to enjoy the fact that your team's in the postseason. You don't have to have 27 World Championships to be happy about accomplishing things. You don't have to have a guy on your team that's set, uh, on pace to or about to set the American League home run record to be happy about your team. You don't have to worry about, you know, don't get caught up in who's a free agent and, who, and, and who's going where because nobody knows. They tell you they know, and that's a whole other story. I'm not going to get into that today. You just have to be happy, and I think, obviously, you want to get a feel of where this team's head is at, and if they had a wild, uh, over-the-rails celebration for making the postseason, you'd probably say, hey, guys, there's more to be done, and you never would expect that out of a Buck Showalter team, but I think Max Scherzer said it best. You play so long. There's so many failures. There's so much grind. There's so much stress that... Why not say, hey, a toast to the fact that we've accomplished a small step in the scheme of the baseball season in terms of accomplishments and postseason, but a step nonetheless. And that's really where I start. Like, appreciate and celebrate the good times. Don't get caught up into this the right way to celebrate. And I think you saw a lot of things in that celebration that came out. Yeah, you have the cliches, this team always fights, they're always together, we love each other, whatever, okay? Everybody pretty much says the same thing. Look at the actions. Look at how they all embrace Buck on the way back to the dugout. You know, Marte giving him a big bear hug. I mean, this team really loves him. They love their manager. They don't just, you know, go out there and say, all right, he's the boss, whatever. They really have bought in to what this guy's selling across the board. And that's so important. We haven't seen that here in a long, long time. Even with Terry Collins, I, I always felt it was a little bit more narrative than anything. I mean, maybe the veterans, but you know, Terry wasn't really a, a friendly manager to younger players. I really think up and down the roster. And, and Buck has had to make some tough decisions with players. But up and down the roster, they will appreciate him. I mean, think about it. Is there a guy on this roster that's been here? That's more than five minutes that can say they haven't been given a chance to prove themselves or get more playing time or get more innings. I mean, Joely Rodriguez, Trevor Williams, guys like that. I mean, Joely Rodriguez, from most fan points, wanted to be, you know, I call it Mel Rojast. Three weeks, four weeks ago, they didn't want to see him on the mound ever again. Here he is getting big outs against the Pirates on Sunday. You know, getting big outs against Milwaukee and getting the win this week. I mean, nobody, I mean, that tells you the manager that gets everybody involved. And then there's the quote by Lindor about playing every day and the, 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 the message that – or the example that a Max Scherzer with his mindset has brought to the club. So as important – and I think this you took away watching these guys, especially Lindor talking about – you know, he, we talked about this on Sunday. He, 
Lindor and Alonso, every day they go out. And that was one of the things that everyone applauded Derek Jeter for. Not that Derek Jeter was this great emotional leader, was that he went out there, he played every day, he performed at a high level every day. It was more about leadership by example, and that seeps into the whole club. And sometimes we look at a leader like Ray Knight, rah, 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 or pump, you know, somebody that pumps you up. A lot of times it's that guy that sets the example and goes out there, not just says it, but does it. And does it every day and does it at a high level. And a Max Scherzer and his competitiveness and his edge that you've seen, not just on the mound, especially on the mound at a high level, but even just out there in the dugout, the coffee clutch that has been created by the pitchers. I think that is as important as a Buck Showalter hiring. I hate when people compare things to like everything is like the 84 Mets and Keith Hernandez. And I don't want to say Max Scherzer's Keith Hernandez because Keith was an everyday player. He was a position player, and he certainly, and we've talked about it a lot this year with his number being retired, was that heart and soul that came over and and really was the leader. And then Gary Carter came in, and he was a leader in more of an emotional way. So the Mets had both of those, and both of those guys were everyday players. And Max Scherzer is not, but I think in the scope of this team, that signing, which I was not for, if you remember. I felt it was a lot of money for a guy that I've correctly assessed was going to be on the disabled list a little bit. With the age at the front end, at the, at the you know the top of the rotation, you you had concerns, and all those concerns have come to fruition. The Mets have navigated them, but when it's all said and done, taking forty three million dollars and spacing it out over Robbie Ray, Kevin Gosman, or whoever else they could have used that money on, may from a standpoint of numbers and from age and from health have made more sense, but not from the fact that here's a guy that took the ball on a day where. He very well could have been perfect if he was at a different stage of the year and healthy or not coming off a long layoff. He could have been perfect and pitched the Mets in the postseason in a real big-time exclamation point way. And not only does he do that, you know, and he does that on a consistent basis. Give me the ball, I'll get you home. He, he provides not only mentorship to the pitching, but that edge, that real grit and grime edge that a championship team and what this team has lacked for so long. Uh, not the emotional energy bunny like Lindor or the emotional energy of a Pete Alonzo, but a real grit and grind and experience. And a guy that's been around, has played with a number of good teams, has been to the World Series a couple of times, has pitched and won a World Series, big games. I mean, that just is where it's weight, weight and gold, and it makes Buck's job that much easier. Now, Buck is the leader, and he sets the tone, and he builds the you know, the agreement that you make with a club in spring training, and everyone's got to buy in. Buck's the one saying, hey, we're going to make, you know, this is the way things are if you want to get here, and this is where we want to go. Because the question is, is this where you want to go? You wouldn't have brought the guys in that you brought in if this is not where they want to go. You, you lead the breadcrumbs to where you want to go as an organization with the right people, players as well. So... That's where I really – I was taking that away from watching these guys celebrate that. 12 months later, this is where we're at. It's a good place to be. Yes, Mets are in a really good position. They control, as Buck has said, control their destiny. That doesn't mean they have it any easier over the next two weeks. It just means that go out, continue to do the things that you've been doing, and know that your landing spot – it's a challenge because – you don't want to have to play in that wild three games against a really tough competitor, but your floor is a really good place to be. 
and it does take a little bit of pressure off, and it does take a little bit away from the fact that there is a really great division race, maybe the best division race the Mets have been in in a long time, maybe ever, because of the high level both teams have to play. This is not two teams battling at 88, 89, 90 wins. These are two teams battling who are going to win 100, probably north of 100 ball games. So really that's where I'm at on that and uh, and what have you. Now, two other quick things. This won't be a long show. This is more of kind of one of those state of the unions. Uh, Mets math. Uh, I see a lot of people talking about Mets math. The Mets math, and I told, I said on Sunday, because uh, of the whole Milwaukee, going to Milwaukee, knowing how tough those games would be, the math is really not in the Mets' favor. The Nats never lose to bad teams. Well, there's a couple of things I did not take into consideration. One, if they finish in a tie, the tiebreaker is going to be head-to-head, and the Mets only have to win one game in Atlanta to make that head-to-head work. So that's that's big, you know, sweeping anybody at this time of the year. I know the Braves are tough at home, so it could happen, but they will be facing Scherzer and DeGrom, and I think Bassett. So they're facing the Mets' big three. That's really a warm-up for either a division series or for a three-game play And So that's going to be your big three. You're handing the ball to those guys. Those guys are going to be the ones that are going to get you home. Carrasco and Walker, who we will talk about, those guys are off to the side right now. So the Mets really, for example, give credit to WFAN's Lori Rubinson, if the Mets go 6-5 and five in this final 11 and the Braves go 8-4, and four, they really have to go better because they can't finish in a tie. They have to literally win. The Mets, if they win that one game in Atlanta, they really only have to tie. And it's theirs. So I know that's not the way Buck is going to look at it, nor is that the way the Mets want to look at it. You want to be that one game better. But that really makes things a lot easier. Now, the other advantage, and you saw some of that play out in Mets math, where the, the pen, and this is where this time of the year the pendulum swings so quickly, is that the Braves, going into last night's game against the Phillies, which they lost one nothing, the Braves had to play 18 more innings of baseball. And at this time of the year, with the Mets not only having yesterday off, but two more days off the week next week, forget about injuries and all that, putting two more 18 innings worth of baseball out there, two more days, two more games where you have to get your bullpen going, two more games where you have to execute and you have to play three, three-and-a-half-hour-plus ball games, that's a, that's a big deal. That's an advantage for the Mets. The Braves have to do the work. The Braves have to play that one extra game to shave the half a game off and possibly not and stave off losing another game in the loss column. Right now, I said, if the Mets, who going into last night's game, were tied in the loss column, in the 18 more innings of baseball the Braves need to play, if they lose those two games, that's plus two Mets. And then you kind of look at going, let's say, Oakland, Miami, Washington. You're not going to sweep through that. There's going to be a stub your toe. No more stub your toe series where you lose the whole series, but a game. You can maybe go 6-2 and two in those games. There's 6. So the magic number is 11. There's 6. That puts another 5 out there. You go 2-1 and one against the Braves. You, call, you get 4 of those 5, you know, magic numbers down. That leaves 1. So you're really looking for the Braves to lose one game. If you, beat the, if you could do that as a Mets team and you do your business against the Braves, again, you control your destiny. That's 2 wins, which will shave off 4 off the magic number. You're really only looking for the Braves to lose one more game, which they could possibly lose as early as tonight. And really at this point, and this is why that three-game set, and I I laugh because I saw Joe Benigno. He he always, I know Joe's got a podcast now. He retired from WFAN. He retired a lot lot earlier than 
the last couple of years. He was working retired for a long time. I mean, Joe was as his shtick died out a long time ago. But Mets, you know, making proclamations like the Mets can't get to the World Series and can't win if they're a wild card. Well, it certainly is harder because you see how playing any of these teams, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, um, San Diego, I mean, they all have intricate strengths that in a short sample of three games could be amplified to make them look like the best team in baseball. So, you know, Phil's fighting for a lot. You you saw the Mets go into Milwaukee and take two out of three. The Braves are facing the same kind of situation in Philadelphia. And I will say it's probably tougher for the Braves because I felt Milwaukee's crowd was dead and Mets fans overtook the ballpark. The Philly fans going to be a little bit more raunchy. It's going to be a little more, I mean, those East Coast fans, no more disrespect to the Midwest, but those East Coast baseball fans, much tougher environment to go in on the road. And uh, look, the Mets aren't the only team that has brownouts with the bats. You saw that with the Phillies. Uh, I mean, with the Braves last night against the Phillies. So right now, you know, Mets playing what doing what they should do two out of three against the Oakland's, the uh, Washington's. And even if you want to split, you know, that's an extra game. But, you know, taking a couple of games against Miami, not split that, that, you know, even with a split in Miami, the Mets are not in a bad position. But I think if you do your two out of three in the three game set, you take your two games and you take care of business there. Then it really comes down to that Brave series. And tell you what, if the Phillies really could do some damage this weekend, and we'll see, because the, the the Braves have yet to show that they're a team that outside of maybe that uh, stretch against the Mariners and Giants on the West Coast, they really don't go long. If they lose a game, they bounce back pretty quickly. And the Phillies showed no fight last weekend, and they only won one nothing. So put a crooked number up against the Phillies, there's no guarantee even with that offense that they're going to come back and they're going to win because – as good as offensively as they've projected, and they can be, they've they've been there've been brownouts in Philadelphia for stretches throughout the year. So the Mets math is is solid, and the real thing that I think you take away here is if they could get one game against the Braves, and that doesn't matter what they do across the rest of the these series, the Braves are going to have to go one game up. They can't just tie. It adds another level of complexity to Atlanta, who's been pushing at the Mets' heels since Memorial Day, and charging at the Mets' heels. So there's that. So we know the math, and we have the math. Now, as we get to the back half and wrap up here on the Talking Mets podcast, some playoff musings, some playoff thoughts. I want to go rapid fire here, things for you to think about. And it's okay to talk about the playoffs and think about the playoffs because there's going to be playoffs. This idea that you have to wait till the division is settled to do that, that's nonsense. I think all the prep and all the push that the Braves have put on this team, and I've said this before, to win the division is better than maybe what you saw in 2006 where they had a two-week span. They celebrated their division title, and they had a two-week span to kind of tune up extended spring training mode for the playoffs. And that's not why they lost Game 7 to the Cardinals, but makes you wonder if there was a little bit of an edge taken off. This team... Now, they could maybe, you know, things could turn and they could still get three, four, five, maybe a week of baseball one way or the other, depending on how they play, where they're, the division's a foregone conclusion one way or the other, and it doesn't matter. But I don't see that happening. So they've really started playing playoff games. They've played games where they need to win if they want to win the division. The Braves have put the bar so high and they've pushed them at so much that, uh, not that they're playing game fives or game sevens every day, but pretty close. And that's a good thing. So I think that's going to make them better. 
One other thing I thought about, especially as I saw them play Milwaukee, not that they were world beaters on the offensive end, you you got to get Marte back. And and uh, who knows what Nimmo's quad, I'm, I'm guessing he's going to be out of game at least this weekend. I would expect maybe they're going to give him the extra day today, not having him as a killer. But uh, they didn't. They weren't world beaters offensively, but I kept saying to myself, the vibe I always get, and this has been going on for years, is that this team plays better on the road than at home. Now, they have a great home record. But I, I wanted to see if that bared out. At least I would say from a, how can I say? From a, an offensive standpoint, I feel like they're better on the road. I feel like they overall, even without Marte, they were better in Milwaukee. Yeah, they only got a couple of hits the other day, but they had some home runs, you know, some bombs from Lindor and Pete that that got them going. So when you go and you look at the offense, home, yeah, they're better on the road. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But they're not horrible at home. Now, they don't hit as much for power at home. That's obvious. So maybe that's the big difference. And I think that's, I mean, you know, they have the same really amount of home. They have about 10 or 11 more home runs on the road. They've also played, they played one less game. Uh, but just slugging in general is below 400 at home. So it goes to show you that there's, they, they don't, they're not the same offensive team at home, which then says to me, is it better for them not to win the division and then go into LA and play three of the five games in LA? I know that's crazy, but that was just something I thought about. Look, I, I think once you put City Field in a postseason environment, it is a home field advantage. But I will say, and I said this, Weeks ago, back in July, when really the first big game where there was a big crowd and an intense crowd was Keith Hernandez Day on that Saturday afternoon. I said the team played tight that day. So it'll be interesting to see how they play in packed City Field, October baseball, tight game, one-run game, tie game, one way or the other. Uh, will they be tight? Or or will they, you know, they look, they, they stepped up during the Subway Series and you know, against Atlanta that weekend. So maybe this is all overblown, and it probably is. But just something to think about. All the Mets better on the road than at home in the postseason because the numbers bear out that they're not as good offensively. Pitching-wise, they're, they're in the right spot. Look, Scherz is going to dominate anywhere. He's going he's to be on the moon. He's going to dominate. So there it is. I do not believe the wild card is a death knell. However, you are, and this really goes into one of the bigger points that I'm going to make here. You are setting up a scenario if you get into the wild card where Carrasco and or Walker become that much more important. And I'll tell you why. Both did, I mean, Walker pitched better than Carrasco this week. Both have had their moments this year. A lot of production against Miami if you go to their splits. Both have started four times against Miami. So if you take those games out against a very impotent offense, their numbers aren't quite as good. One guy has pitched better in the first half, Walker. Another guy pitched really well in the second half, Carrasco. One guy is pretty consistent home and road. The other guy's better at City Field than Carrasco. Both have their pros and cons, and I'll get to where I think Buck is going to go and where I would want to go if all things being equal. But you are going to rely on Carrasco and Walker potentially in a game one of a division series if you play full three games. Assume you have to win in three full games. Let's assume worst-case scenario in a wild-card round. Um, and then depending how you do uh, the division series, either you're going to have to get to the point where Scherzer starts on short rest or DeGrom on short rest. More likely Scherzer, I would think, in a game five in the NL division series. 
or you're going to be going with Walker or Carrasco in a decisive game on the road. Think about that. And then if you want to take it further, Walker Carrasco might have to pitch in a critical game six in the championship series. Forget about the World Series. That's too far ahead. So really what you're doing, and this has been the case all along, but really when you start to kind of build out your postseason rotation, you you really are going to be relying more on on, uh, Carrasco and Walker if you don't win the division. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? So here's what I'll say. I think when it comes to just in a vacuum, pure stuff, who do I trust the most? Even though he's been a tick, he's had some difficulties in the second half of the of the season. Not as bad as last year, Walker, but he's not. He's always seems to be a guy that comes out really, really strong. I mean, he had a really bad August, an ERA of all close to seven. The Braves game probably played a lot into that. He's been much better in September. But he's still got an ERA of 3.91. It's take away the bad August. His September is the highest ERA he's had for the year. So he has a guy that had a 2.55 ERA in the first half, all-star game talk. He's had an ERA over five in the second half. So he's a first-half pitcher. We've seen that. But, you know, the Braves game really probably put a lot into that. But let's face it, uh, he's a little old, he's a little bit of a guy that you can see maybe tires a bit as he goes into the season. We have two years of data that that state that. On a positive side, Home and away, he seems to be pretty much the same pitcher, whereas Carrasco is is much more of a home pitcher. And he's got a pretty diverse repertoire. I mean, he's a real thinking man's pitcher. And not that Carrasco does, and Carrasco has four pitches, but Walker could go even with a fifth pitch. So he has diversified uh, repertoire. Walker was pretty straight on the post game after his start. I'll start, I'll relieve, I'll do whatever the team wants to do. If you told me what's going to probably happen, I would say Carrasco is going to probably get the start because of his experience, albeit he hasn't pitched in a postseason game in five years. He has a better postseason resume. None of that really matters what happened to Walker and Carrasco in 2017, 2018. It's ancient history. They're much different players than they were five years ago for a variety of reasons. But I think that experience will play. I also think, and this is, we don't know this. Only Jeremy Hefner and Buck and the, and the staff know this. But my vibe and my thought is that Walker probably can be more nimble and get ready on a dime than Carrasco out of the bullpen. Now, maybe some people say, hey, Carrasco's a wily veteran, a la Bartolo Colon. Colon was able to adapt and adjust and come out of the bullpen and get some key bridge innings to the bullpen and to Familia and, and Addison Reed and those guys in two, 2015. Uh, but, uh, you know, we don't know. Just because Cologne did it and because there's a lot of similarities between where Carrasco is in his career arc and where Cologne was in 2015, we don't know. So those are some things that right now the Mets aren't talking about, but those are some things I'm looking at it. If I had my choice, I'd go with Walker over Carrasco. I think there's a better shot that he could give you six really good innings, two times around the order. After that, you pull him. Carrasco, the thing about Carrasco is I think he could do the same I think he's a better bet at home than the road, and that's shown. The numbers show it, and you saw that in Milwaukee and Pittsburgh, the games in the last week. But with Carrasco, I think when he's off, that game spirals really quick, early. Now, you could say, all right, you give him a shot, and then you bring Walker in. You're not in a position in a postseason game against anybody, whether it's a three-game wild card, especially a three-game wild card, five-game, seven-game, to fall three, four, nothing down. Not when you're facing elite pitching. You know, when you're facing the Pirates or you're facing the Nats or you're facing even a good team's four or five starter in the regular season, home road. All right, let's figure it out. We got time. 
we'll, you know, we'll we'll grind this out, get to the bullpen. No. Those teams are going to bring in starters too out of the bullpen. Those teams have resources and guys that could get high leverage outs. You don't want a full three, four runs behind. The best formula for this team, you guys have known it, and we've seen it from day one, from the jump, from that first series in Washington back in April, is they get ahead early, they have a good six innings to seven innings out of their rotation, they're ahead the whole time, and then you hand it off to the bullpen, you got Adovino and Diaz, and you get you know some bridge outs from somebody in the sixth to seventh inning. So there's that. So uh, I think Walker's the better bet. My gut says he's going to go with the veteran in Carrasco because it's Carrasco. He's a veteran, and Walker's going to be a better play out of the bullpen. I'm not sure I agree with Casey Stern, the Dodgers in five versus seven. I'll tell you this. You play to win the division, and you worry about the Dodgers, and you play the Dodgers. So I'm not going to get too crazy into that. Here's another thing I'm going to tell you, and maybe it's more recency bias. Scherzer over DeGrom in a game one. I think if you told me right now, and I know this is going to drive Mets fans nuts and has nothing to do with pending free agency. Some of it to do with health. Both have been unhealthy, but I think DeGrom basically was shut down for you know, 60% of the season, whereas Scherzer was fits up and down, up and down. I think Scherzer, with his experience, and I know DeGrom had a big game five against the Dodgers, so I'm not saying he hasn't pitched big in the postseason. But I mean, he pitched well against the Cubs, not so much in the World Series that year. Young pitcher, might have ran out of gas. But... If I had to give the ball to somebody after what I've seen with Scherzer in Atlanta against Milwaukee the other night, I'd give it to Scherzer knowing that I'm going to get six to seven innings, hopefully seven innings, probably of zero to one run ball. I'm not saying DeGrom won't give that, but remember what I said. After 80 to 85 pitches, what is DeGrom? You told me they had a piggyback. I'd give the Scherzer the bulk of the innings and then say, here, DeGrom, you got the last three. Something like you saw with Charlie Morton do for the uh, the Astros in the postseason, coming out of the bullpen and finishing a game in a game seven against the Yankees. So um, you know that there's that. Guys will have to be on short rest, especially if they don't make the, they don't have the division. You might have to say, can a Scherzer or Degrom pitch on short rest? That's interesting because I don't know if they can. It, it brings Walker and Carrasco a little bit more back into that. And uh, here's another thing. When you really look at what's going on, the bullpen, we've we've talked about so many weeks since the deadline. Oh, the Mets didn't get Robertson. The Mets didn't do this. The Mets didn't do that. Adavino and Diaz are your eighth and ninth guys. That's the way it's going to go. Lugo is going to be spotting probably against lefties. Don't be surprised. I mean, Buck really likes Joely Rodriguez. I know that it's going to make you crazy. Joely Rodriguez at some point is going to be asked to get big outs in the postseason. I know it. I have it. I feel it in my bones. Um, and then Michael Givens as well. I mean, Buck knows him from his Baltimore days. Buck is going to go with guys he knows. So those guys are there. I don't know about Trevor May, uh, but I, I think he falls into Joely Rodriguez. Who, who knows? But I think Trevor May's not so much. This To use that corny term, that De Niro term uh, from that movie, what was that movie's name? Meet the Parents. The Circle of Trust. What is the Circle of Trust in this bullpen? It's Adovino, it's Diaz, it's Lugo, probably Givens, and then maybe a starter, like a, depending on, you know, a Walker or something, maybe a DeGrom, who knows, Bassett, who knows, who's built for that, may bridge those three to four to five to six outs that are needed in a series like Noah Syndergaard did in 2015. You will not, here's what I do know, 
I don't think there's anything that can happen over the next two weeks that will make Peterson, Drew Smith, or Tyler McGill get into that circle of trust. Too much time off. You saw McGill's pitches were flat. Drew Smith has been off for two months, and Ladd is a terrible injury. And Peterson, I, I, know I talked about it with Casey Stern, looked good. You know, Maybe that's a guy that could get you some big outs against lefties. But quite honestly, again, I'm going to say behaviors from Buck, he's probably going to lean towards the veterans. Those three guys have played important roles at different parts in the season. But now we're into the big boy deep end of the pool. And none of the three, for a variety of reasons, injury, whatever, are at a point where I think there's enough time for them to get into the circle of trust. Drew Smith was, and maybe he has some cachet from where he was going up to the All-Star break. He wasn't, But he wasn't pitching well pretty much the month leading into his injury. Probably had some issues with the lat that he just was working through. We just didn't know it. However, get it out of your head. I don't, you know, unless Tyler McGill comes out and all of a sudden the next two weeks is throwing darts like a young K-Rod going uh, from the minor leagues to the to the Angels in September and then getting big outs in the postseason. Unless you see that turnaround, which there was nothing in his first outing in the big leagues, and he got roughed up in the minor leagues too, that indicated that he's close to that. He's a two-pitch pitcher. I have my doubts about where he's going to fit into this club long term. He's definitely an arm that you have to keep an eye on. But uh, right now is not the time to worry about those three young players and their their and their future. And I don't see anything that they can do to get into this circle of trust. I'm not saying they're not going to be on the postseason roster. They could be value. But when you're on a postseason roster bullpen, and when we get close to the postseason, we could talk about cuts and who should be here. That's not for today. There's nothing that they could do in the circle of trust. Now, they could certainly get big outs in the next two weeks. I'm not saying that. But once you get past game 162 and you're in a five or seven game series, three game series, whatever you want to call it, the cut, the line to make the cut is very, very short. Just like in the NBA, rotations get cut. Rosters are still 26, but participation within that roster is a lot less. There are guys who might not even seen a bat in the postseason and what have you. And the last thing before we wrap up. And I don't know how Buck's going to play this. He's played it as, as a platoon based on the pitcher. But right now, Tomas Nito, between his bat, and I feel like he's just better behind the plate. As much as I like McCann, and I've applauded McCann's catch-and-throw components to his game, he hasn't really been that great for, I think, maybe injuries play into it. He hasn't been that great this year on both sides of the ball. Nito has improved. Nito continues to show improvement. His bat is live. Not that he's going to be anything more than, you know, he's probably still a below-league average hitter, even the current version you have now. But his bat seems more lively, and he seems to be able to, in big spots to make contact and get occasionally the big hit. So I would like to see maybe Nito get more of the playing time, and I'll be curious how that catching situation plays out as we get deeper and deeper into the, hey, the postseason, you know, the last two weeks of the season and see where this postseason thing plays out, so... Very interesting playoff musings, a good place to be, like I said, where, hey, we're talking about playoffs, we're talking about the Mets and these postseason problems. These are good problems to have. Boy, I did almost a 40-minute State of the Union. I could really talk, right? So anyway, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Enjoy the series against Oakland. Uh, What's the schedule going to look like here? Look, late game on Sunday. Um, I'm going to try to see what we could do for a Sunday show. There's an off day on Monday. Possibility we'll do something on Monday. But stay tuned. Uh, The schedule is going to be a lot different as we head into the postseason. Trying to think about what we're going to do with this show for the postseason, how we're going to play it. Got some ideas. I got to marinate on them a little bit. 
the task at hand right now is the Mets and where the division goes and what the postseason schedule is going to look like because there could be a big little layoff there for about a week or they could get right into it if they don't win the division. So we'll see what happens. But I want to thank everybody for tuning in on this nice, crisp fall Friday morning. I think it's the first day of fall. If I'm wrong, criticize me. Send me a note. Pretty sure today's the first day of fall, right? So anyway, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. You can check me out all the time at thetalkingmentspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G. Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the weekend series against the A's. We'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast soon. Till then, take care. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.